on this episode of Transparency Podcast, I'm going to be transparent about where my childhood trauma came from, which was around high school when my parents got divorced. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about a specific period where childhood for me started which was when I was in high school and during the process of my parents' divorce. So I know, like I know a lot of us know, that between middle school and high school, the transition to, you know, knowing yourself, learning yourself, trying to fit in or stand out or what have you, it can take a toll on a child in that age sector. Um, I can speak for myself because being that my dad was military and we had moved a few times, um, our home base was in Hawaii. So I remember feeling like I didn't fit in because for one, um, my brothers were popular and I was known as their sister. Like my identity was based on being their sister which is fine, but um, I always felt like I was competing to be Patricia and not John and Chris's sister. Um, And then on top of that, you know, they're uh, a darker complexion compared to me. So me and my dad share the same complexion and my mom and my brothers share the same complexion. So I didn't feel like I fit in on top of, you know, the Asians had their own cliques, Blacks had their own cliques, of course, whites always had their own cliques, and um, Samoans stuck together with family. So, you know, going through all that, and then when um, I found out that my parents were divorcing, that was a shock to me. Because I was naive. I'm not even going to lie. Like, my brothers are older than me, but they were exposed to more of, I guess, my parents' issues. I didn't really pay attention to it. And um, I got a glimpse of it when I had a cell phone in high school. I had one of those Nextel chirps. And um, because my mom is from California, we would spend some summers in California and I met this guy um, and we started dating or in a relationship in different time zones because Hawaii has its own time zone and my boyfriend at the time was on Pacific Standard Time so nine o'clock his time was not it was like six o'clock my time I can't really remember but anyways you know back then had to wait until after nine to get free minutes so long story short I ran up my phone bill to over a thousand dollars my dad was pissed and he took my phone okay and I would use the house phone to check my voicemails to see if my man left me a voicemail but I called to check that voicemail and it was four different women four different women from different area codes girl there was one in Hawaii, one in Georgia, one that I now know 
was based in South Carolina because I was born in South Carolina and uh, we used to be stationed there. And then the other one, I don't remember because she really didn't hold any significance. But the one from Hawaii was my best friend's mom. And my heart dropped at that first one because um, it was so close to home. And like, how the hell do you tell your best friend that your dad and her mom are sleeping together when her dad is on his deathbed? His, my best friend's dad was in the hospital. I can't remember what his diagnosis was, but I do know that it was severe to the point where they didn't know if he was going to make it or not. So like, y'all, when I tell you I went through it, I was 15. and I consoled with one of my teachers who I look to as like a second mom. And um, I remember just bawling because I eventually I did tell my friend um, and her reaction threw me for a loop. But, you know, you're 15. You would you would think that your friend would be consoling and stuff. But in that position, she was angry, rightfully so. Um, she didn't believe me, even though I read her back, her mom's cell phone number, which I didn't have. Um, and I just did not want to be in school. Like I refused to go back. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. And, you know, I called the guidance counselor, went into the office bawling. My mom came and picked me up. And I remember they also called my dad to let him know what was going on. And me and my mom had just got home. And I heard my dad's Corvette roll up. And my dad was livid at me for mentioning anything. So that was another dagger. And like, I looked at him like, you're really calling me a liar when mom heard the voicemails? So, you know, fast forward, the divorce, it was, I think it was ugly. I tried not to dabble into that because I was heartbroken at the fact that this was happening to our family, that my dad put my mom through this. And I even found out through the mediator that this wasn't the first time he cheated. He was on and off cheating for 21 years. And I just, I looked like my dad was my first love. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with him. And I was the daddy's girl. I was the only girl on my mom's side. I was their only girl. Like, all of us are from the same mom and dad, but I was the only girl. And, you know, the mediator had asked me about an incident that happened in Japan, and I looked at her like, what are you talking about? Because I was a baby when we lived in Japan, so I didn't know what she was talking about. So she, I guess she just assumed that I knew, so she just got very descriptive of what happened. So apparently my dad's first wife, which I didn't even know, um, he had flew out to Japan while my mom had taken me to California to go to a funeral, I believe. Um, my old my brother stayed with my dad and me and my mom flew to Japan because with three kids on a plane, even back then it was expensive. Um, and so the ex-wife flew out to Japan while we were in California. And my, one of my brothers had mentioned it to my mom. That's how she found out. And um, 
you know, just to just to find out that he used to be married and you know, she was still in the picture. And like, uh, y'all, when I found that out, I was so disgusted. I I ended up being mad at both my parents coming out of that mediation. Like, I didn't speak to my mom. I didn't speak to my dad. I was angry at them both because it's like my brothers knew that my dad had cheated before, but I didn't. And I feel like sometimes in um, the Black community, it's like a cardinal rule that you don't take our business outside of the house. And there's certain things within their relationship that certain people knew and others didn't. And, um, you know, I just, I know for a fact now, looking back at that, that I injected myself into that divorce. And the divorce had nothing to do with me. And unfortunately, a lot of kids, um, they inject themselves in their parents' relationship. And it's totally separate. Like, you guys are a family, but a marriage is separate from children. And I don't think that children should be so involved in your marriage that they feel the way I felt. I felt like it was my fault for the divorce because had I not said anything about those voicemails I found on my cell phone, like would they they could have still been married and maybe she would have waited until I finished high school to divorce. Um, and I've had that conversation with my mom and she was like, I was gonna leave. Um, she was like, the reason why I had gotten two jobs your sophomore year was to save up to leave. And, um, you know, I, for a long time, that was on my heart. Like, I did not forgive myself. Me and my dad didn't talk again until my senior year. And our relationship was on and off strain until um, maybe a year or so ago. Um, I found out that he was diagnosed with cancer. And I took that opportunity. Not that it was a good opportunity, but I took that as like, let me try to see if we can really mend our relationship because in all honesty, I've always tried to mend our relationship. But at that time I had to have a heart to heart with my dad and let him know that I've chosen men that cheat to try to fill a void that you put in me. And I have horrible communication with people in general because you have never had the best communication with any of your children. And my dad owned up to that. And I appreciate him for that. But at the end of the day, it's still my job to heal. And it's not his job to heal me. It's no one's job to heal any part of you. It's your job because it's yourself. And um, I just like that whole time of my life was hard because um you know you, you don't think about therapy back then or at least I didn't and I didn't know how to voice my issues I kept everything to myself I didn't have a lot of friends and the few friends that I did have I didn't really open myself to talk about that my friends from Hawaii I did because they knew what was going on but, you know, 
um, we had moved to Virginia after my parents divorced. So the time zones and, um, you know, it was MySpace back then going into Facebook, but I just started to lose touch with people because I didn't want to be reminded of that time in my life. And because it, I was just so broken and I was still broken. And, um, you know, I ended up dating people who treated me like shit, um, emotionally and verbally abusive. And then when I was 18 going on 19, um, I had met this guy named Juice and totally different than someone I have ever met in my life who just wanted the best for me, wanted me to be my best self, um, checked on me, like not even like, how's your day going? Like basically a heart check. And losing him was a year into us dating, a little after a year, and then finding out that he had lived a double life. He had a whole fiance in another state. It's just like, I felt like, God damn, when is this cycle going to end? Like, what am I not doing right? What am I doing wrong? I know I'm picking the wrong type of men, but why does this keep happening to me? And, you know, I'm so grateful that I decided to stop having my own pity party and put myself in therapy and actively show up because you can go to therapy you can spill all your guts out, but if you don't take some of the things that your therapist is telling you and you don't like self-actualize or have awareness within yourself that there are certain parts of your story that you allowed yourself to happen, not that I've allowed my, my dad to cheat or I allowed uh, myself to be with somebody who live the double life but I cannot allow that damage that it did onto me or into me to keep like spewing on different areas in my life now or as I'm growing and as I'm learning like I have to take accountability for the fact that I am responsible for my healing and what happened has nothing to do with me, but what does have to do with me and what I'm responsible for is how I feel and how I allow certain things to inflict my mind, my spirit, and my body. So I say all that to say, like, when we have these traumas or even childhood trauma that we have suppressed so deeply and get into a relationship or you get you have friendships where you know there's you're doing certain things that end up hurting these people or you just have this facade of not letting things get to you there's a deeper rooted issue that you need to address and when you address it feel what you need to feel but also take the necessary steps to be aware of certain triggers or be aware of your emotions because I feel like a lot of us now you have to be and you have to have that self-awareness trait if there is nothing that you learn in quarantine 
I really hope people have gotten a hold of self-awareness because we don't allow ourselves to feel things that affect us to the point where we have to look internally and change things. Like we have to change the core. And I know for a fact that this pandemic was a blessing in disguise for me because I've asked for more one-on-one time with my son. I've asked for time to be able to do things creatively that I don't have time to do working eight to five and raising my son and, you know, just not having time outside of that or wanting to go back to school and get my degree in nursing. But in all that, I have shown up so much in therapy to where I'm proud that I've allowed myself to be vulnerable because that's been something that I have shut off of doing is being vulnerable and um, especially in relationships. Like I put that block up once, you know, my son's father and I didn't work out and that was what going on years ago to where I would not open myself up emotionally for someone else because of the damage that other people have done onto me in that aspect. So I was like, I felt like there was something holding me back from opening up to my therapist until I realized it's like, you're not being receptive of what being vulnerable means. So I told her that, um, you know, I just don't want to open myself up to even allowing me to be vulnerable with you because I feel like in some way, form or fashion, you can hurt me. And that was a huge step for me because you cannot truly get to know someone or even yourself if you're not vulnerable. And that is not some weak trait. That's a strong trait, just like being transparent. So we haven't seen yet. But I just really hope that this story has really opened your mind, your eyes, your heart to seeing that it's a bigger picture when we're hurting or, you know, when we're thinking about therapy or we're trying to heal something we don't know where the root cause is. Be vulnerable enough to dig deep. And actually, when you dig deep, I know for me, I had to accept that, yes, this instance is what started this problem because I allowed myself to hold on to that pain because that pain was more comfortable than addressing it and saying, you don't own me anymore. Like, that's a real thing. A lot of people hold on to pain because it's comfortable that's if that's all you know you have not been in a healthy relationship seen a healthy relationship in any aspect it doesn't even have to be romantically um it can be your parents it can be friendships it can be family members that were not shown healthy anything and you just became so accustomed to dysfunction that you like loved on somebody or something so hard and when they broke you or when it broke you 
you had to hold on to that brokenness because that's all you knew. And that's that's a problem for a lot of us. And I feel like the more we're in tune with the root of the issue, fixing it, feeling it through the process of healing, because healing is a journey. It's it's not something that you can just sprint through. Um, I know for a fact that a lot of us would be in so much more better positions once that happens. So I just really want to encourage y'all to dig deep if you haven't. Man, we're going on a year in this pandemic and do not come out of this you're the same or having the same attributes or just a little bit different. Be different as a whole and take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, share, spread the word, y'all, and come back every Sunday for a new episode. Be sure to reach out to me at trisha.hollis or transparency on Instagram. Take care.